I can't think of a snappy introduction this week. Welcome to Hand Up Pod. Welcome everybody to episode 266 of the internet's best English language Argentine football podcast. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello Sam. Welcome Andres. Thank you. I'm going to come right out with it at the beginning of this podcast. I had one of those nights last night where I went to bed and my brain just wouldn't stop working. I couldn't sleep at all. I ended up getting to sleep, I think, about 20 minutes after my girlfriend's alarm went off in the morning. Um, and then I had to get up to go to lunch uh, at a friend's house. So there's a very good chance that later on in this podcast, I will start to make even less sense than I normally do anyway. Um, I apologise to listeners for this, but we've decided to press on, or I decided to press on, because this is the first that Andres heard about my sleepless night. Um, I shall go through now... The scores from the weekend just gone in the Superliga. Belgrano got a nil-nil draw at home to Tigre in Córdoba. Patronato and Atletico Tucumán um, finished 2-1 to Patronato in Paraná. In Paque Patricios, Huracán drew nil-nil with Union on Saturday. In Sarandí, Tempele beat Arsenal. Uh, are those technically two different suburbs of Avellaneda? Because Sarandí is part of Avellaneda, isn't it, really? Um, it's Tempele as well? Yes, it's it? near, but no, I don't think it's Avellaneda. But uh, Tempele is more, it's farther than, than Sarandi. Right. It's a bit farther. Uh, oh, really? Because yeah. they, they play just on the edge of the city. Well, just outside the city. But yes, it's, uh, it's uh, technically it's uh, the greater Buenos Aires, yeah. but um, quite close. Uh, it's closer than Tempele. Tempele okay. is... Uh, could be a classico of the well, of, of the south of Greater Buenos Aires. We'll, we'll call it the not quite a Bechanela classico that one. Anyway, no, Temple no, won. Temple won one nil in Sarandi. Um, in oh god, I shouldn't have started that one, should I? Because I can't remember where it is exactly that Chacarita Juniors play. Before any smart asses write in, they don't play in Chacarita because that would be really easy to, um, uh, to remember. Thank you, in San Martín. Um, Chacarita lost 1-0 at home to Tacheres. In Liniers, Vélez Sarsfield lost 4-0 at home to Boca Juniors. In Mendoza, Godoy Cruz beat Independiente 1-0. In Santa Fe, Colón beat Defensa y Justicia 3-1. Olimpo lost in Blanca 1-0 to Gimnasia La Plata. Rosario Central lost in Rosario 4-0 to Banfield. River in Belgrano were held 1-1 by Argentinos Juniors. In Avellaneda, Racing and San Martín de San Juan drew 0-0. And on Monday night in Lanús, Lanús beat Newell's Old Boys 1-0 thanks to a wonderful free kick from Alejandro Silva. Um, and in Quilmes, for some reason, probably because the Estadio Único is in use again, as it normally is, um, Estudiantes de la Plata lost 3-1 at home, in inverted commas, to San Lorenzo. Um, 
main talking points from this weekend. We've got two 100% records left now in the Primera, uh, in the Superliga. Sorry, Afa, if you're listening. We're doing it under name, honestly. Um, two 100% records left in the Superliga. Those belong now to Boca Juniors, who have won four out of four, and to Arsenal de Sarandi, who have lost four out of four. Yes, both. Uh, I think that any mystic, some or mystic, some someone should predict easily because uh, the way that Boca started and the way that Arsenal started the, the Superliga were perhaps the both both the easiest uh, results to predict. Mm. Perhaps not the way the way that Boca won was not that easy to predict because to win four 0 to Beres even when Boca has proved to be the best team uh, in the in the country uh, so far. Uh, to lose to to defeat Beres that by that margin, by that distance, was would have been perhaps dif- more difficult to to, to play. Even with Beres, uh, that we could have said, uh, well, we have to see how much these good performances last for them. As as indeed we did say last week. Yes, yes, um, of course. One of our listeners asked us last week: Should we read? How much can we read into Beres and Huracans? good starts and we sort of said well probably not that much and in Vélez's case we made the point that uh, the the real test is is what's about to begin Boca this weekend just gone uh, I can't remember who they've got next weekend but whoever that happens to be um, they play Chacarita yes they do don't they of course they do well remembered um, and so this sorry Vélez do really yes as I said I'm very very tired and I can't really remember uh, in round five, Venice play Independiente. First of all, away to Independiente. Um, and Boca play Chacarita yes. in the Clásico Junior Sense, um, which is not a Clásico. Anyway, the point was that Venice um, have, well, the, the, the hard task really begins now, and this is where we find out how good they are, and it turns out that they might not be very good, in fact, yes. which isn't sort of that much of a surprise because the real surprise was that they'd started off relatively consistently um, in the season Dario Benedetto got two goals was it? Um, the third Boca goal has disappeared from this t- oh no, it's own goal from Nicolas Dominguez um, yes and then the fourth goal was from Frank Fabra yes I think it was the first from Benedetto the second one was from him also? yeah according to this timeline anyway uh, can't remember it but it was Benedetto. ah yes yes he, he it was like he passed but then he back healed the ball oh that's right yeah the scorpion yes. kick goal yes, yes. right underneath the crossbar saying yes. a scorpion kick goal makes it sound spectacular it wasn't actually particularly spectacular it was a very clever finish given yes. that the ball was behind him but it was almost literally yes the commentator goal. said I think ironically or, or at least uh, as a joke he's crazy like he he scores goals by any way by any possible way uh, mm. with the uh, header with the uh, perhaps only having, having to put the ball into the net or or, or with that by that crazy maneuver, but uh, yes, uh, it was not that spectacular. But it's remarkable how he managed to to, to score anyway. Yeah, and the performance as a whole um, it didn't really brook much argument, did it? We we said last week about how Pablo Perez. After the Boca, uh, after the Godoy Cruz win, um, the previous weekend, had sort of said to the TV cameras, you know, it feels like winning that title has taken a weight off the players' shoulders. Um, and you know, again, 
they're playing like it. I mean, yeah, okay, at home to Godoy Cruz, you would expect a Boca win. We weren't expecting them to win 4-1. That was what we were so impressed by, and, and a Godoy Cruz win wouldn't have been a shock. Um, but Boca obviously started as favourites here against Venice. They start as favourites, but the fact that they are, you know, relatively comfortably able now to brush these teams aside, they're precisely the kind of matches that last year they would have probably been winning, but by by fewer goals than they ought to have done, and now they're doing it in the style that they really should be doing it. In. Yes, and it's remarkable how uh, their rivals play, try to play, pushing them. It's not that they are in, on their side and, and waiting for Boca to to attack and then uh, going at, uh, co- uh, with the counter attack. The other it's the other way. They try to attack Boca, and Boca is the one who, would, for example, Pavon, Benedetto, and in this case Fabra, who scored the goal and assisted in another one, are the ones that uh, quickly turn uh, an, an attack from the rivals to a counter-attack uh, for them, and, and, and uh, they do it uh, magnificently, because uh, uh, against Cody Cruz I think it was similar, the yeah. way that they scored, the way that they uh, produced the, the plays and the attacks. Hmm. It was. And the interesting thing as well is that they seem to be able to sort of stand up now to, you know, one or, or, or two players can have a kind of below-par performance and it doesn't really seem to affect the team as a whole. The midfield is ticking over fantastically, um, which which really helps that. Nobody's maybe spectacularly um, good, but as a unit, they all just come together really nicely. It's, they, it's like they uh, complete one each other with... Uh, well, Barrios uh, has already won the crowd, the, the people, or the Boca supporters with his fighting, his uh, uh, balls, ball quitting capacity, and then well of course Pablo Perez and Gago play making the making the, the creativity there and mm. Barrios even trying to play but uh, with, with the, his main function which is to to push the rivals to fight and and he's doing it as the we we could say the old Boca style the garra the 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 huevo the the eggs. <laughs> Yes, putting your balls into it, yes. as it were. Um, and Benedetto up front, who's, who's playing magnificently. So that's Boca. They lead the table with maximum points, the only team to do so after four games. Um, the next game that we wanted to discuss... Well, we most, we should talk about River, and we should talk not just about the Superliga here, um, but also about what happened before the Superliga, because the game against Argentinos um, felt like a sort of inevitable come down after that high on Thursday um, maybe not the result I, I was still expecting River to win the match um, but it probably wasn't so much of a surprise that the intensity dropped off somewhat because last week, as many of you will be aware, we were uh, discussing how we both thought that River were going to win the match but we weren't quite sure whether it was going to be quite enough to actually put them through mm. one goal away from Jorge Winsterman would have left River having to score Four or, or five. five, in fact, sorry, to, to go through. Uh, as it was, they left us uh, probably feeling a little bit silly for having doubted them. Uh, River were 4 nil up at half-time and 8 nil up by full-time for a, I think it was joint third in the all-time Copa Libertadores standings for the highest win. Ignacio Ecoco became only the second player in Libertadores history to score five goals in one game and the first to do so in the knockout stages. Um, the other one is brilliant. Alfredo Moreno from Boca, right? The other one was I can't remember. I think he's a, he, but he, he was the one who who scored five. Hmm. against Fluming, I think, from Bolivia. That sounds familiar. Yeah, 
five goals in the group stage. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, Wilson were absolutely awful. Uh, it, it, it seemed bizarre, and one one reason that we were, you know, a bit doubtful, I think, about whether River would would have enough to to do it was that Wilstermann sort of looked fairly innocent, uh, and, you know, lack in, of power of, yeah. of, of anything. Of in, in their previous matches, they hadn't really shown that they were defensively clueless like that. They, they, they looked relatively solid, and we weren't expecting them to choose possibly the stupidest possible way of approaching the game and go sort of all out attacking in the first 20 minutes which just well, seemed weird the stupidity I think that started with the coach with Mosquera the Peruvian coach uh, putting Christian Chavez Pochi Chavez former Boca midfielder mm. in the bench when he proved to be the best man in the in the first leg also uh, quitting him in the I think uh, 15 minutes of the second half in the in the first leg Making him be annoyed and, and protesting, uh, that's something that, well, if you want, if you prove, he proved to be the best man or the best player and with the, uh, an extra, perhaps, enthusiasm because he's playing against River, mm. his former Boca uh, player, uh, and you, you don't put him in the, from the first minute, well, you, you are the one, perhaps, uh, making a, 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 mis- a first mistake and then, well, of course, the... The, the ones who who finally put in the, in the, in the match uh, were incredibly lazy, innocent, and well, doing everything possible for River to 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 do what they wanted. Yeah, they were. I apologise for the banging. It sounds like the doorman's taking the uh, the bins out. We're quite lucky because a couple of hours ago, my downstairs neighbours started banging things with hammers, but they've stopped before recording. Otherwise, that would have been really annoying. Um, Anyway, that, that meant that River go through to the Copa Libertadores semi-final, 8-3 on aggregate. Um, later that same evening, Lanús beat San Lorenzo 2-0 on the night for a 2-2 aggregate draw and then put them out on penalties, which means that uh, the all-Argentine Copa Libertadores semi-final is on. It's River against Lanús. The first leg is at the Monumental in two weeks' time, three weeks' time the, after the international break. Yeah, the 24th of October. Yeah. Um, and then the second leg will be, I think, one week after that yes. in Lanús. Um, the other semi-final is Barcelona of Ecuador against Gremio of Brazil. So we, it's a pretty south eastern South America heavy uh, Libertadores draw now because Gremio, of course, are just based in continental terms, not that far away in Porto Alegre. Not that I've ever been. Um, Could have been a, a, an entire Argentinian Brazilian. Mm. Uh, Semi-finals, but Santos lost one nil in the in home at home against Barcelona. They had uh, drew one uh, one in the in the first leg, so it's surprising. Perhaps from the previous point of view, perhaps not uh, if you watched the, the matches. But uh, Santos, Gremio, and River Lanús would have been, or San Lorenzo would have been, perhaps the in the previous uh, analysis the the ones who are. Uh, I, I should have uh, said as the, as the favourites, perhaps. Yeah, uh, we will obviously go into the Libertadores semi-finals more um, in whichever show it is that we record uh, the week of the first legs. Um, back to the Superliga, though. River on Sunday, um, inevitably after that 8-0 win, uh, found it difficult to maintain the same intensity against Argentinos. Yes. It also helped, from Argentinos' point of view, helped that Argentinos didn't approach the match in an incredibly stupid way. Um, Argentinos as well I, I thought uh, enjoyed themselves really R- River had played a back three against uh, Wilstermann 
and sort of stuck to that decision against Argentinos and it didn't really work. Argentinos found a lot of space down the flanks um, and put in their best performance of the season so far from what I've seen. I haven't seen sort of that much of their, their earlier games, but I caught snatches. Um, they, they looked like they were enjoying themselves much more and I thought it was as much as anything because they were quite enjoying you know, having a, a, opponents who were coming out at them and, and trying to attack and leaving space at the back, which River were doing quite a lot. Um, and they did very well indeed. Gonzalo Martinez opened the scoring for River uh, in the 36th minute um, from a penalty. And Argentinos equalised. Uh, where was... Oh, no, sorry. Gonzalo Martinez opened the scoring in the 17th minute. Nicolás González... Um, equalised for Argentinos in the 36th minute with a really nicely worked goal um, through ball in from the left yeah. channel and Gonzalez raced onto it and, and a decent finish um, Strange that uh, at least for me for that uh, for Gachardo not to, to perhaps include a, a more mixed formation like they like he, like he did against uh, uh, San Martín San Juan having won that match with uh, more youngsters and, 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 yeah. and, and substitutes the, the defence that, that River put out was more similar to that sort of mixed formation, as you put it. Uh, Montiel at right back, Barbosa and Pinola at centre back, and Saraki at left back. Saraki being the kid that yes. I've been raving about for a couple of weeks now. Um, but yeah, the midfield and forward: Ignacio Fernandez, Enzo Perez, Ivan Rossi, Gonzalo Martinez, Carlos Alski, Ignacio Hikoko. It, it was yes. very similar looking indeed. I think possibly exactly the same. Um, no, because terrorist didn't start did he? Uh, to the team who had started against Wilsterman which was kind of a surprise yes really. well uh, Maidana had a problem a stomach I think a, a stomach ache or something gastroenteritis mm. something like that and that's why uh, uh, just at the last minute he was out of the match that's why Barbosa who is not that good at least the matches that has been played uh, he was has been asked by or, or uh, supporters have, have, have been Asked for him uh, in the sites that are dedicated to River. Yeah, you you might uh, keep Barbosa in the in the staff in in the squad because he's good. He has proved in defensive justicia that he's good enough for, yeah. to play for River. Well, he has been showing these matches, which are not a lot of matches, but uh, he still is uh, perhaps not. He has not shown that he's. Uh, uh, for River, or well, his 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 pace has been exposed yes. for me, and it's I mean, defensa as we talked quite a bit last season about how you know they like to get the ball down and play, they like to play attacking football, um, but they don't and didn't push up quite as high as, as this River team do. And as I said, uh, Argentinos were finding a lot of space in behind River because River were pushing quite high up the pitch, um, and a lot of that was down to the fact that neither Javier Pinola, who remember is 36 or 37 years old now um, nor Alexander Barbosa who is much 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 younger but not an awful lot quicker um, are particularly fast and I think that that was uh, a key contribution really um, to the uh, the space that Argentinos were finding and the joy that they well really weren't having in front of goal but were having sort of a few yards in front of goal as it were um, if not in the actual shooting I've just realised that I read out that river back line as if it was a back four um, it was actually Montiel Barbosa and Pinola sort of as a back, more of a back three with Saraki pushing into left midfield um, so it was almost like a 3-5-2 really um, that is a typical problem with the midfielder that is 
or, or a left back that is playing in the midfield mm. and his lack of surprise because when you are playing like, like a left back and, and go uh, to the attack surprising it's different than that you already is a standing in the in the midfield and and play yeah. as a normal number 11 perhaps uh, but uh, yes Cachardo admitted that that was a formation that he wanted to test uh, of course he tested it in a, in a three point in a in a Superliga match not in a, in a, in a friendly or, or something like that but he said that well yes we knew that it should bring us problems but anyway uh, I wanted to test it and to prove it uh, to see if we can use it uh, continue using it and well finally I think he might have uh, may have uh, noticed that this uh, something that he had to still to work uh, to work yeah. more yeah and it needs work it's not necessarily going to be thrown in the bin but it needs a bit of work and yeah statistics wise it might seem that River were a bit unlucky not to win but I think on balance of actually watching the game that the draw was a decent result for Argentinos yes. and one that they deserved um, Rosario Central against Banfield Something's up with this statistics website here because it says that Banfield are currently leading 2-0 in the second half. But that's wrong, isn't it? Because Banfield won 4-0. The game was on Saturday or Sunday. Um, and, and yet another game in which Banfield looked really, really impressive. Um, I'm now struggling to remember who scored all of the goals because, of course, we can't see them here because I've just reloaded the page. and it's One of the it was Perduti, then Svitanic, I think. Svitanic got a hat-trick, didn't they? Three. Then is three from Stanich and yeah. one from Sperduti. Yes, that's right. Well done on remembering Mauricio Sperduti. Um, but yeah, what's happened to Central? Because they've started strangely, really. I mean, where are they? They're down in 23rd place. Four games oh. played, no wins, three draws, one defeat, which was that one. Um, I mean, Banfield looked fantastic and uh, deservedly in, in third place, just behind Boca and River. Um but Central should be better than this, surely. Yes, hard to explain what happened to them. Because they would... We're actually, shortly after recording, we're going to have the um, the Copa Argentina on the television because uh, Central are playing Boca Juniors in, in the last yes. 16, is it? Or the, yes. Yeah? Um, of, the, of the Copa Argentina. But just looking at this Central lineup here, it doesn't look... Particularly weakened. It doesn't look like they were holding people back to to take on um, Boca in the Copa Argentina. I do think it's becoming increasingly clear, um, as I think it was Julian mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that um, Fernando Sampedri and Germán Herrera up front are maybe a little bit too similar. And indeed, Sampedri and Marco Rubén, um, the other striker who, who who more often starts they're all a little bit too similar to each other as strikers they're, there's not that sort of spark that we saw when when Ruben and uh, Ruben sorry and and Teo Gutierrez were playing along yes there is a, 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 I don't I wouldn't say Teo Gutierrez which is real but at least if not Teo Gutierrez something someone with a sim, with similar uh, playing or, or characteristics like Teo Gutierrez because he's not a, a, a classical striker but a, a perhaps second striker or, or well offens offensive midfielder not a, a, a classic number nine like Sampedrian and Ruben yeah um, I, I don't know maybe that's just causing them to be that little bit more one dimensional because they're still you know I mean against Banfield they were on 70% of the possession <laughs> but they lost 4-0 in their own stadium um Banfield, on the other hand, 
nothing but praise for them. Uh, they started, sorry, they ended last season um, in fantastic fashion, and if they'd managed to put that run together a little bit sooner, they might just have managed a title charge, as we talked about towards the end of last season. And they started this season off in, in similarly impressive form, really three wins and only one defeat so far, which was against, can we remember before Real. Richard? Of course, yes, against River, well remembered, 3-1 um, in the second round of games. Um, but yeah, Falcioni is working his magic again down there. Yes, and having 30% of possession against the Rosario Central by scoring four goals, or winning 4-0, uh, it's, I think that it uh, talks a lot about the, the way they played. Uh, of course, perhaps waiting and, and, and letting the possession to, to, to the rival... But when they attacked, they do it, they did it with a tremendous accuracy. Yeah, and also, having mentioned, having talked already about Dario Benedetto's fine start to the, the season, you know, a former Boca player, um, Smitanic, has, has been in really good form as well early on. I mean, obviously, it's, it's underlined by the three goals that he scored um, against Central, but he's, he's looked impressive. His movement's been good. Uh, he's been dovetailing very nicely uh, with Pablo Molce. Yes. Uh, that was the other scorer, sorry. It was oh. Spitanich got two and Melchior got one. Um, because the reason that I just remembered that was that when I saw uh, Melchior's goal go in, I was surprised by the television caption that came off a couple of minutes later, which said that Melchior's previous uh, top flight Argentine, I would say Superliga, because of course it didn't exist last season, um, his previous top flight Argentine goal um, was scored for Lanús last year against Banfield. Oh. And now it's... Scoring for Banfield, um, but yeah, they, they've dovetailed very nicely together up front as well. And Sitanich, well, I think there is a question about that, and uh, perhaps we will answer that later. But he was mentioned as a possible uh, striker to sign for River for the uh, Libertadores semi-finals, mm. uh, but because he he will be the only, perhaps among other other strikers, possible signing as he has not played. Copa Libertadores for another team because Banfield has not played it. Uh, <clears throat> but well, he's very, very identified with Banfield. He's good there. I don't think he will he will sign for River. And I, I, I don't think this has to do with having played for Boca before because he's more identified with, with Banfield than for right. uh, with Boca. Uh-huh. But well, he was mentioned and I don't think he will finally sign for River. But, no. but watch this space, as they say. Um, Godoy Cruz got a 1-0 win over Independiente um, thanks to a penalty from Santiago Garcia it was a really weird game because we're used to seeing Independiente play well we're used to seeing them play well and not necessarily always take their chances so no surprise there Um, but they didn't even sort of play Godoy Cruz weren't played off the pitch let's say this time around well they by any means Um, it it was was an entertaining game I thought considering the scoreline anyway I mean it wasn't well, the best match I've ever seen, but it was it was decent enough for a one 0 win settled by a penalty. Holland must be must be trying not to, for him to happen uh, the same as, as as in defensive justicia where he his team played uh, well, uh, good uh, football to watch at least, mm. but with not that good results. And in this case, he has lost, or Independiente has lost three three matches in a row. The Copa Argentina against. Uh, against Atletico Tucumán and then against Lanús and against Code Cruz for the Superliga yeah yeah they have they're down in 15th in the league um, but as you say it's that, that run of, of poor results it's got some people 
questioning how much longer Orlando's going to be in for because this is Argentina and never mind that he was only appointed a few months ago. Um, but it is just remarkable the, the the wastefulness and the inability to, to take their chances. The top goal scorer for them this season so far is uh, well, Leandro Fernandez and Martin Benitez have got two each, um, which given the setup of the team and some of the players behind them, you would expect both of them to have, have you know, managed to at least one or two more um, given the way that they're, that they're playing but but they haven't um, and the number of chances as well that Independiente creates I mean on even uh, this weekend just gone 12 shots in total but they didn't manage to force a single save in other words they were all off target pretty much um, it's not great no <laughs> and what else can you say about that really um, not an awful lot is the answer Apart from that, there is a, there was a complaint. I think it was independent. I know if, if, if via Twitter or, or websites or or word, whatever, but uh, complaining about their 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 referees, uh, well, awarding penalties for the for the rivals or perhaps not existing penalties, hmm. like for example against against uh, Atletico Tucumán in the Copa Argentina, where uh, the the Atletico Tucumán player handballed it handballed. And uh, but they are free awarded the penalty for them. For yes, yes, of course, yeah, I remember. And in this case, it was a, a carry on. It was um, Sanchez Minio grabbing a, a, a Cruz player from their T-shirt, and it was not clear that he was grabbing him. Mm. But for the referee, it was so they, he awarded the penalty. This made the uh, first Holland and then the club uh, complaining against the, these referees. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that you often hear people, you know, trot yeah. out the cliche that oh, that stuff evens out itself out over the course of a season. But it, I mean, it doesn't, does it? If it puts you out of a cup competition, then how does it end up evening out later on? Um, there is a, there is a, an, expre- an expression here in Argentina that uh, I don't know how to say it in English, which is el que no llora no mama, which means more or less that if you don't complain, if you don't cry, you won't get any any results in terms of uh, well. Uh, you are you are you are silly or you are uh, a dumb if you don't complain because yeah. you have to complain for the referees to be award uh, award next time. Yeah, it's. Um, I think you summed it up very nicely. Yes. Uh, it, 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 it's an annoying philosophy, but it's one that definitely exists. Uh, we shall move on to the next of the big five, who were Racing and who were, in a way, just as drab as Independiente. They they got a, another uh, one point more than Independiente got. Um, but only nil-nil at home to San Martin after two-thirds of the possession, um, but only one shot on target, which, I mean, in fairness, San Martin also only managed one shot on target, but San Martin are a much smaller club playing away from home. Um, Racing, with the power that they have, it's a shame that Dan isn't able to make it, in fact, this week, because I would have really liked to ask him after this performance um, what exactly has been going on with them. Uh, early in the season, hopefully Dan will be back on next week. Um, but what did what, what have you made of it? Well, I, I think that if he were here, he would say that uh, Racing is playing too defensively, or at least, well, not not uh, uh, at least trying to shoot on target. Because well, one shot in and how many how much percentage of the of the position? Sixty three percent, according to to Data Factory. 530 passes to 266 for San Martin. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, Dan, Dan mentioned um, 
in the first week or the second week of the season that um, the sorry the, of the hand of pot season because of course we weren't here for the first week of the actual season. Um, but Dan, Dan mentioned there that five three two is is you know often seen as a defensive formation, but it doesn't have to be. It depends on how you deploy it. I'm, I'm in complete agreement there. Um, but it's really bizarre to see a Diego Coca side being so unadventurous, given how Racing played under him the first time round, and given how they were playing towards the end of last season. Um, they suddenly seem, I'm not going to say, they're, they're not exactly playing conservatively, but they just sort of, they, they seem like they're playing kind of within themselves a bit. They, they, they don't, they're not going for it as much. It's, it's sort of strange. Yes, because if you play five men in the back, but it's a real three men in the back, and, and the other two are, are more like carrileros or, or the ones that uh, are, are outside or, or yeah, Ivan Pichud and yes. um, Alexis Soto, the, the two wingbacks, as we would say in English. Yes, yes. Uh, well, Pichud is proved to have more, uh, perhaps, consistency uh, going forward than, than marking. Hmm. And well, I don't know Soto, but uh, yes, uh, anyone would say that against San Martín San Juan, when you are playing home, you should push forward uh, because San Martín San Juan will, of course, be more comfortable with the with the with the draw, as ha- they have been losing. They had lost. Uh, the last two matches, so they need at least to to gain one point yeah. uh, away and then try to win uh, home. But uh, as they had, they which was the season? I don't know if it was last one or the previous one in which San Martin San Juan won almost of their points playing home. I think that was the, the previous. It's one. very confusing with the the half year long championships yes. that we've had in the meantime as well at times. But I think that that was. Not last one, year's transitional championship wasn't it? It's the well, first half of last year, maybe, but I yes. might be wrong. Well, they they made it. They made the that made them save be safe from the from the relegation. Yeah. Uh, so if they get a get one point away and then win home, that will be good for them. Mm. But in the point of view of Racing, yes, you you say well five defenders not shooting on target with a lot of position that that proves that if there is a problem. With attacking, with being more deep in their in their attacks, of yeah. course. And and the other thing to to get a little bit Jonathan Wilson on your asses um, is that the that with the, even with those two wing backs pushing forward, you've basically got a three man backline at least three centre backs against a team who've only got one centre forward. I mean, San Martin played a four two three one four five one, call it what you will, but they, yes. they were playing with one. Striker. Yeah, there's no need um, to be with. Five. There's no need yes. for that third centre back. You, you know, if, if you're playing one up front and you play with two centre backs, then you've got one guy to mark the striker and you've got an extra guy to, to track the runner. Yeah. There's no point in putting one guy on the striker, having two extra guys tracking runners who aren't even running that much. Um, and that just means then that you're losing out on maintaining possession further up the pitch, on passing options <laughs> further up the pitch. And as a result, you end up, which is one of the things that Racing were doing, you know. It's, not the majority, but a significant portion um, of their shots in in that game on Saturday night, wasn't it? Yes. Right? Yeah, on yes. Saturday. Um, we're coming from sort of outside the box, from less than ideal positions, a bit of an angle, and you sort of think, well, okay, I mean, if you've got an extra body there, if you've got an extra option, very similar, in fact, to watching the Argentine national team, who, of course, yes. play in the same colour shirts as Racing do. Um and now we shall move on to Monday night's game, the final game of the weekend. An interesting fixture to put on a Monday night, given that it's between two pretty big clubs. We've got some more coming up this weekend as well. Um, 
in Quilmes, as I said, I'm not really sure what's happening, but clearly something is happening in the uh, Estadio Ciudad de la Plata, the Estadio Único. Um, but yeah, Estudiantes decamped to Quilmes um, for that, and they lost 3-1 at home to San Lorenzo. They were 1-0 down at uh, half-time, thanks to a fairly early goal from Fernando Bellucci. Um, but Mariano Pavone equalised right at the beginning of the second half. Nicolas Blandi headed San Lorenzo into the lead with about 11 minutes to go. And then really late on, Bellucci made it 3-1 with a fantastic finish. Almost uh, from the midfield. Yeah, instinctive. From, it was about 35, nearly 40 yards yes. out. And he brought it down. He must have already had a look and, and seen where Mariano Andujar was. Um, he might have uh, imagined it because he didn't. Yes, he didn't watch yeah. it. He didn't seem to once the ball had come to him. I mean, he mm-hmm. must have had a look before the ball came to him. That, that's the only thing because mm-hmm. you don't just get that. Up. Well, okay, admittedly, it's the 88th minute and you're winning yes. as well, so maybe he did. Um, I will say that I was really disappointed in Andujar. I, well, yeah, I'm disappointed. I'm not an Estudiantes fan. I didn't actually care. Um, but when not so much in, in for Bellucci's second goal because I, you know. It, caught out that happens um, but Blandi's header was you know yeah it's Nicolas Blandi he started the season in fantastic form he's, he's, he's a really good striker it's particularly for this level um, he'll, he'll always get you goals especially if you are San Lorenzo um, he clearly really enjoys playing for them but it, it was the header was you know I'm not a goalkeeper but I would say it looked like it was a fairly comfortable height it was the middle of the goal it was pretty much where Blandi was standing uh, and sorry was standing um, and Andujar sort of seemed to let him through it a bit, and I just—it was one of those where I just saw it and just thought, "Oh, a weak goalkeeper, response. come on!" Yes. You know. Um, a- anyway, if you ask, ask a supporter, a San Lorenzo supporter, uh, you will say he will say, "Okay, he scored two now, two against uh, no, sorry, one against Estudiantes, two against Lanús in the first leg, mm. but then he missed the penalty uh, against uh, Lanús in the second leg, and, and we are out of the Copa Libertadores." So they yeah. will say they uh, no uh, of course knowing they are Argentinian uh, the normal supporter of San Lorenzo or, or any Argentinian team will say that they will have uh, wanted a, a single goal against Lanús uh, for Copa Libertadores and no one no no goals against uh, against Estudiantes the other day yeah. even with the if he, if he if he would have been magnificent goal or whatever. Uh, now they are perhaps disappointed because he missed the penalty. Although, although to be fair to him, he did score both of the goals in the first leg against yes. Lanús at that time. Um, but yeah, it's it's that sort of thing, isn't it? It's um, the bad night that he's had so far this season was was the most important game of the season so far. Um, it's unlucky for him. Uh, but you know, on on the evening anyway, on Monday evening. Um, I thought San Lorenzo were... I Actually, I shouldn't say that because I, I only caught the second half. So, obviously, I got the impression that San Lorenzo were deserved winners because I saw the half that they won 2-1. Um, but, yeah, you know, yes. it was a yes. and perfectly entertaining They play, half. of course, on Monday because they had, they had played on Thursday. Mm. Lanús and San Lorenzo both. And River played on Sunday. Yeah. Which, of course, well, Marcelo Gallardo said that... If you if you are okay, again, you may might might say that it's bollocks and it's bullshit. But uh, by the rules, River shouldn't have have uh, played at, at, at that hour and at that day because it was yeah, you're it right, was less than seventy two hours. Yeah, uh, just under seventy two hours was yes, it before kickoff? But well, uh, uh, then Gallardo should 
could have uh, included a, a different formation, and he decided to put any, almost all of the, the all, all of the team, the same team yeah. that played against Wilstermann, and that's something that it's up, up to him, of course. Indeed. Uh, as you say, Lanús, uh, who've advanced the semi-finals of the Libertadores as well, beat Newell's Old Boys 1-0, as I mentioned earlier, with a, a really nice free kick from Alejandro Silva in the, well, pretty much exactly an hour in. Um, and they deserve to, to be honest. Completely dominated possession. Um, I'm only looking at the statistics. I've only seen a few brief passages of the game itself because I didn't manage to watch it live. I was in the pub. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a... Fairly, I'm trying to remember now how Lanús have started. Remember, listeners, as I uh, bluster over this, that um, I did warn you at the beginning that I was going to stop making sense at some point. Lanús in the league are 13th. Um, and it, it, it's sort of that situation now where after four games, on the one hand, the table's starting to take shape. On the other hand, we have got teams so far, um, like River, like Lanús, who are still involved, um, like Racing and Independiente who were both also still involved in continental competitions but also like Estudiantes and San Lorenzo um, who have gone out of continental competitions and Atletico Tucumán having you know, prioritised those competitions to a certain extent for at least two and if not three and possibly even four um, of the matches that we've seen in the league so far so you know, it, it's not going to be a huge surprise if in a month's time the league table in terms of these sort of top 10 or 12 teams that we're looking at looks quite a bit different as a decent teams who've had a tricky run of fixtures early on start to get a a more realistic one B quite poor teams who've had a kind run of fixtures early on start to get tougher fixtures and also more teams who've now gone out of the Continental Cups are going to start fielding their strongest teams week in week out and they're going to get some sort of anyway it's strange in the point of view of Lanús as they they started the the Superliga losing to Tacheres 5-2 and then losing 2-0 against San Lorenzo in the first leg of yeah. the Copilotadores quarter-final. So uh, it's incredible how two matches are so different to the to other two because uh, because Lanús, anyone would have said, well, they are crap, they are awful, and they turn around the, 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 the second leg against San Lorenzo of Copilotadores and then uh, managed to win against Newells to... Final end a, a, a beautiful week for them. Yeah, and also before we take a break, one piece of praise for Colón, who got a three-one win over Defensa y Justicia. Defensa haven't sort of started the season fantastically. They're down in twenty-first with two defeats from their four games so far. Um, but you know, Colón did the business pretty well. It was another game in which Alexander Dominguez, the Ecuador uh, international goalkeeper. Um, who is replacing Jorge Brown after his fantastic season last term? Um, you know, did his job without too much of a fuss. Germán um, Conti, arguably the man of the match for Colón in, in in the back line, um, and Colón are sort of you know lurking there. They they had a, an impressive campaign last season, and right now they are. I just located the fifth, uh, two wins and two draws so far. Defense isn't quite quite as good as last season when I think they were something ridiculous like eight games before they conceded a goal last season they've already let in two so far but you know just quietly keeping pace not not uh, tearing any trees up not making any headlines but they I think Silent, are going to be there or thereabouts again in, in the title race and big up to Patronato as well who've, who've got three wins out of four games so far and a 
currently on goal difference, just behind Banfield in fourth place. Um, after that 2-1 win over Atletico Tucumán in Paraná. Uh, admittedly, if I remember rightly, they've played Arsenal and Tempene or something in their other games so far. Uh, where are they? Patronato? Oh, God, I should have looked this up before saying that, shouldn't I? Where are they? I can't see them. This is very embarrassing. Ah, there we go. 3-1 away to Tigre in the previous round, uh, round of matches. 2-1 at home to Argentinos in the second round so the um, one defeat that they've had so far obviously was on the opening weekend away to San Martín de San Juan um, so you know they're doing very well about uh, trying to make sure that they have another season of Superliga football to look forward to next term early on because of course that race has already started because so many of the teams are already several seasons into the table so we can give you now particularly because the last time that we mentioned this was after the first round of matches when Chacarita and Argentino still hadn't played the two newly promoted teams. They now have. So just to um, give you a very, very, very brief idea of how the relegation picture is shaping up so far, Argentinos and Chacarita, although they've now played games, are the bottom two teams um, in those uh, in, in that um, relegation table. Argentinos have one point from three games, Chacarita have two points from three games. And it's going to be... Four going down again this season, isn't it? Four down, yeah. two up again. Um, so the the other two teams in the current relegation zone are Arsenal de Sarandí. Will this be the season that we finally bid farewell to them? And Tempele. Um, but Olimpo, Huracán, San Martín and Vélez are not an awfully long way clear of them, nor a Tigre, actually. Or I, I think that up to San Martín and Juan, that is the... Key or the, the, the well, teams. Well, and, and San Martin are level on points, so okay. I would say up to Veles. Okay. I mean, you're right. I'm not uh, disagreeing. I'm just pointing out that the uh, the points total is actually the same. So uh, up to Veles, mathematically, we're talking teams who are possibly in trouble. Although, as we mentioned already, Veles have started off with a, a few good results against teams who are sort of down in this area of the, of, of, of the table, and that's precisely what they need to do. Um, against them plus of course the teams everybody only plays everybody else once this season so you get one win against a relegation rival and that's it you've got 100% of the points you're going to be getting against them um, and Tigre are only two points above that Belgrano have 100 points at the moment and I would say uh, I don't think Belgrano will go down I think everybody up to Tigre is in it at the moment Patronato could slump obviously Anybody could slump. Atlético Tucumán could slump, and they haven't started this season particularly well. But that's the relegation battle for the moment. When I'm going to take a break, I'm going to refill my glass, and then we will get back to you and start talking in your ears again about uh, something else. We'll see. managerial changes that's what I was trying to remember forgot to mention when Estudiantes played San Lorenzo or rather when we were talking about Estudiantes playing San Lorenzo that um, that was a clash between two teams who have changed their manager in the last week because both of them went out of Continental Cups last week Estudiantes as I think we mentioned on last week's recordings if I remember it happened on Tuesday 
lost. What did it happen on the night that we were recording? Anyway, they lost one nil against Nacional de Paraguay. Exactly, it happened before we uh, b- before the episode got uploaded. Anyway, they lost one nil at home to Nacional of Asuncion in Paraguay, um, which they had drawn the first leg, or they'd lost it as well, hadn't they? One, yeah, they lost the first leg one nil yes. as well. So they went out two nil on aggregate in the Copa Sudamericana, and that cost Gustavo Matosas. Have I got that right? Door is saying yes. Whew. I'm very tired, but I'm managing to, to remember this stuff from uh, some somewhere in the recess of my brain. Um, that caused Gustavo Matosas to uh, resign, as, as Andres says, or to be uh, shunted to one side. Either way, I'm not sure whether he was sacked or resigned, but one of the two. Um, and San Lorenzo, after going out of the Copa Libertadores, sacked uh, their bloke as well, Diego Aguirre. So, bizarrely, both teams had gone out of Continental Cup, sacked a Uruguayan manager... Um, and appointed a caretaker for Monday night's game. Um, San Lorenzo, obviously, uh, are in slightly better shape, perhaps, with their caretaker. They were in better shape beforehand as well in terms of their league form. Uh, it wasn't a particular surprise that San Lorenzo won that game, to be honest. If both teams had gone into it still with the managers in charge, I think they would have been favourites as well. Um, but uh, Estudiantes have wasted no time at all in appointing a new manager, Lucas Bernardi, as we mentioned at the very beginning of the show, possibly. Yes. Didn't we? Yes. Was that before we were recording? Or uh, Bernardi was we were... off the record, yeah. Yeah, it might have been. I, I really am very tired. Um, but Lucas Bernardi has, has been unveiled. He was unveiled just a couple of hours before we started recording um, as Estudiantes' new manager. He obviously was the, um, well, New was Old Boys captain up until a year and a half, two years ago, and then took over at Newell's and had a rather short spell in charge of them. Um, and hasn't been working since, has he? Yes, he, had, he has been working for Godel Cruz, uh, and he has been sacked. Oh, he, well he remembered, was, of course, yeah, yeah. When when he lost, I think, one, uh, 3-1 against Gremio, Gremio could mm. be. In the, uh, yes, completely forgot about that. Um, so a manager who so far has had two fairly short spells... In clubs who, well, I mean, Newell's are a club who, yeah, obviously close to his heart, but uh, have been in um, disarray, really, pretty much for the whole of Bernardi's managerial career so far, certainly, you know, the the last two or three years, um, institutionally speaking, if not on the pitch. Um, And Godoy Cruz sort of seem a bit settled, but then Godoy Cruz, really for as long as they've been in the Primera, have sort of had this thing of, of... being a bit indecisive about managers, they, they, when they've managed to get a decent one, as happened with they Antonio had, Mohamed, they had Hainsey. They pissed when him off and he left. Yeah, they had Hainsey. When he he, he when he was not a manager already because mm. he he had to be in the in the uh, with the with supporters in the uh, with the public because he oh, of course yeah he had got his badges yeah, yeah. yes well uh, well remembered and then well yes uh, with Argentinos he he. Well, I think about Heinz, of course. He he could make a great job, and and well, Argentinos, of course, promoted mm. was promoted. But yes, Godi Cruz is with has this problem with the coaches sacking them, perhaps with no uh, wrong reason or no uh, not being very reasonable with yeah. them. With sacking them. them or just irritating them. I mean, the one yes. I always remember is when Mohamed uh, got them qualified to a concert. I think it was for the Libertadores uh, for the first time ever. Um, and they res- and, and he sort of responded and remember listeners that we're talking about a country as well with sort of 30% 25% annual inflation as well and so Mohammed thought that after qualifying Godoy Cruz for a continental cup for the first time ever that he deserved a pay rise for the following season and he went to the board and asked them about this and they said no no we're, we're going to be paying you the same as we were paying you last season um, 
so he sort of went, ah, yeah, I mean, not really, obviously. Yeah, how much are you going to give me? And they went, no, it, it'll be the same as last season, Antonio. Uh, so he quit and <laughs> went to Ecuador, I think, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, that, that, that's how Godoy Cruz seemed to roll. They're, they're not, uh, they don't appear to me to be a badly run club, but they just seem to have this way of, of not really hanging on to managers for very long, regardless yes. of whether that's because they sack the manager for doing awfully or because the manager does well and then ends up leaving. Um, um, there is another. But funnily uh, enough, there is a Godoy Cruz link with um, San Lorenzo's possible manager, and you've mentioned it already because San Lorenzo yes. really, really, yes. really want Gabriel Hainsey to be their manager. Um, He's not very, very fond of, of, mm. of uh, as uh, starting working uh, to work in, in a team when he's in the middle of the season, and he wants, he prefers to have uh, all the, the the players that he wants. Of course, that's reasonable because. Uh, it it will mean uh, if if he uh, is signed now he's he's hired right now yeah he will have players that he hasn't been asked he hasn't asked and uh, if he loses three matches or four perhaps he's sacked with no possibility of of building his team yeah uh, so and, that's and particularly for a manager yeah. at his stage of his career as well um, you can sort of see why he'd want to be careful about that I mean not very managers are careful about that sort of thing but I can't really blame Hainsey for being anyway because if he has another you know job where he doesn't last particularly long then you can see you know you're only as good as your last job as the cliche goes and yeah at the moment his last job was Argentinos where he did fantastically got them back into the Primera playing stylish football in the second division won it by a mile and so on but also um, I imagine him but, that this hasn't happened but I imagine him talking with the defensive justicia uh, members, board members, mm. because there is another news, which is that Nelson Vivas has resigned from Defensive Justicia. Thank you. Yes, of course he has. And I think that, or at least I read that it wasn't because he lost three three one against Colón, but because there is a some someone in the club that wants him to put uh, players that he doesn't want to, or something like that. No one, no one, no one says. Tells me the players that I have to put in the team, something like that, mm-hmm. are the words that he he told the, the, the this board member. That's why he resigned. Yeah, Diego Leme, in fact, the club president is the person who he's accusing. For some reason, the Ole website is not letting me view uh, the page, but I managed to get as far as the subheading anyway. I think because just, you you must sign up. I think it's because I've got ad blocker. Yes. Oh, because oh, but I'm signed up already. I don't yes. know why it's doing this. Anyway, I'm not going to give them my email address in the end, so we'll just wait for that later. It's only Ole, it doesn't matter. Um, but yes, managerial change is happening already, even though we're only four weeks in, and admittedly, a round or two of the various Continental Cups, which obviously is what's uh, prompted San Lorenzo's and Estudiantes um, changes. Uh, and yeah, we'll have to watch this space and see how many more of them are. there are. Are there any managers who are sort of teetering on the brink at the moment? For this coming weekend, mm. do you think of any? No, I don't think so. Nor can I. I uh, Umbertito Grondona seems bizarrely uh, safe in in his role as Arsenal manager, and long may that remain the case, as far as us non-Arsenal fans are concerned, who would like to see them relegated, um, because he's doing awfully. Yeah, four defeats from four games. There's not really very much to say about that, but there we are. We shall move on to some listeners' questions now. We have had a few. 
Uh, first of all, Harry Law says, Hi guys, what was the website that he actually sent this one in a few days ago? What was the website that you mentioned in the last ap- episode that's great for statistics for the Superliga? I have retweeted that um, question with uh, a link to the page in question uh, because that's easier. But if anybody wants the URL because you, I don't know, can't read Twitter or something, bear in mind if you haven't got Twitter, you can still go on to Twitter slash Handapod um, and, and see it there. But if, if for some reason you can't get it, the, the URL is M-A-M, uh, as in a Northern English person saying ma'am, .tn.com.ar slash HTML slash V3, as in version 3, slash index.html, question mark, channel equals, and then all in Spanish, deportes.futbol.primera a dot descenso. Uh, that's it, sorry. Down to Primera A. Don't do the dot descenso because that's because I've currently got the descenso table up. Uh, that page will take you to the most recent results. And then you've got Posiciones, which is a league table. Descenso, which is the relegation table. Goleadores, which is top scorers. Planteles, which is squads. Equipos, which is clubs. Jugadores, which is players. And Comparativa, which allows you to compare the statistics from two different clubs of your choosing um, from their games so far. So possession or shots or corners or whatever. Um it's really good. And if you click Detaches, details next to each um, match, it will give you the stats from that game. Obviously, as I've said during the recording, some of them seem to be bizarrely frozen at half time or whatever. Um, is it game, in Spanish, Spanish or, or it cuts in an English site? Uh, this is the TN website, so it's going to be just in Spanish. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's fairly simple to, um, to navigate. And if you don't speak any Spanish, then you can pick some up fairly easily by looking at the stats. Uh, you'll be able to pick up a few key words if nothing else um, so thank you for that question Harry because you're quite right I should have uh, given everybody a better idea um, Chris Hartley says what was the reaction in Argentina to the River B. Jorge Wilstermann result well there were some people of course saying that it was some people not being, natural some people being Daniel Angelisi so, yeah. Junior's president uh, <laughs> that it was an amateur team or something like that and of course there is a, there was memes or, or jokes about the the, the man, supposed supposed money that River uh, paid Wilson to to for them to lose. I, I actually made a joke uh, via WhatsApp with English Dan the previous night to the game uh, while we were watching. Well, we weren't watching it together. He was watching in his house. I was watching in mine. Uh, Racing against Corinthians because Racing did put Corinthians out in spite of Dan's pessimism. Um, and I, I, I made a joke that River's best hope for that game was a bribe. Um, but I do think that if you're going to sort of rig a game like that, then you you probably wouldn't go for the most eye-catching possible result, like an 8-0 defeat. You'd go, yeah, OK, let, let's just throw this one by just enough to send them through. There's no reason to completely humiliate ourselves. Because um, nobody would have been too surprised if River had won 4-0. I mean, we were dubious about whether it was going to happen, but it wouldn't have been like, oh my God, how on earth did that happen? Whereas the 8-0 was a bit more sort of a bit more eye-catching. Um, but yeah, I mean, by and large, it, it, it's amazing. It happened. Yes. Um, Brazil but apart uh, defeated from 7-1 Germany and no one talked about something yeah. strange or with something that money involved. And it was a catastrophe for 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 Brazil, sorry, I said Brazil defeating Germany. It was the other way, of course. Yes, yeah. Uh, and no one said, "Hey, how come Brazil lost three seven one against Germany in their country? On their country, there something strange, and that they must have paid Brazil." Mm. No, well, in this case, it's something something similar in terms of the amount of goals, and and I think it's good for the, for a team who needs to to score uh, 
needs four goals to to uh, go through to score eight if they want if, or if they can because yeah. uh, um, and when they were four one four nil uh, if Wilson had scored one they they would have liked River to score another one. Well, that wouldn't have happened because the way that Wilson played was impossible. But uh, uh, they, they couldn't take it for granted. And well, yeah. uh, of course, there is people that talks talk because it's free. Yeah, and it's sort of another. I mean, uh, as I say, the main person doing this was Boca Juniors president Daniel Akinisi, who, considering he's Boca Juniors president, yeah. spends an awful lot of time talking about River Play. Um, but. Anyway, we, we've we've well, he, mentioned him many he times promised before. So. One of his key uh, campaign uh, promises was, uh, or, or they, he asked the, the, the Boca supporters to have their passports uh, updated because he will he will take charge of everything else. Uh, you know, I, he meant Boca winning the Copa Libertadores and, and going to Japan and play the mm. the World Cup Club Cup and uh, uh, so far he couldn't do it so. Uh, he now tries to to make River uh, be well. Of course, uh, uh, he he has anger because River has has won. It's co- it's politics. Yes, of course. Same as the memories. That's that's the thing to remember. I think uh, Darren Paul says Telechea. I think he means Emiliano Telechea, right? Yes. Yes. Telechea had a great weekend for Aldo Sibi. I thought that he was going to, but I'm not sure why. How was he last year with Patronato? Um, we're going to have to provide some context here, but. Just looking at what he did with Aldo Sibi, which I shall now do because, of course, Aldo Sibi played in Chicago, but I don't remember or not. I haven't checked a lot of that match. They beat them 3 0. Oh, and Delechea. Wait while the stats load, please. One, two, scored all three goals. Um, So he did have a great weekend, didn't he? Fernando Delechea, not Emiliano Ah. Delechea. Um, the question from Darren was how was he last year with Patronato now that you've asked us that I feel all of a sudden like pretty much all of Patronato's games last year were either on a Friday or a Monday night and I didn't catch any of them yes but so I'm not really sure Patronato wasn't so good uh, well they they saved themselves from relegation so for for them it was good but they were there on the the verge of of, uh, what seeing whether they were related or not. Hmm. So I don't remember very much about about his personal performance. He was reasonable, but, I mean, I imagine. Um, but, I mean, the, the thing to remember with you know, the, the second division and any team sort of near the top of the second division is that the second division at the moment in Argentina is much lower than it ought to be because the first division is far too big still. Yes. Um, and therefore, a bunch of teams who would normally be in the second division are currently in the Primera. Um, that's going to remain the case until we get down a little bit further and, and whittle the first division down to a smaller size than it is. Um, and yeah, so I mean, for the moment, it's sort of like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to poo poo his hat trick, um, but you sort of have to go, well, yeah, but I mean, who's it scored against compared with the opponents he was playing last season? So. Uh, little yes, from perhaps in, from Bay, in two or three times, uh, two or three years time, uh, to be in the first division is a real privilege, and and we have to mention that two years ago it was Cruzeiro Norte mm. playing in the in the in the first division. So uh, now it's yes, uh, be the first division is not the way it used to be. 
uh, and being in the, in, the, in the perhaps the second division, which is National B, uh, will be perhaps the normal third division. So we we have to to wait at least at least at least two, two or three years in in order to see whether it's uh, normalized. Yeah, precisely. The teams that are in first and second division. Nashville asks, re the river striker situation, should they sign one? Who are the options? I think that Gachardo wants Prato in January. I, first of all, we'll have to see whether Gachardo is still at River in January. Um, but should River sign one? What, what I've read most recently was that uh, they'd looked into a few options and Gachardo had decided that none of them were, none of the available ones who would be you know, able to play the Libertadores, as you mentioned earlier, um, are of the standard that River need. And therefore, they're going to try and do with, make do with what they've got. But what they've got is Nacho Goko, who was magnificent last Thursday, but has been a little inconsistent elsewhere. And a couple of other guys in Carlos Aufki and Rafael Santos Borre, who don't look quite good enough at the moment. And Carlos Aufki, which is not a, not a, a natural striker no, to be there as a reference. Yeah. He's more like a, a, an, an, a wing or something like a second striker, not a... Number nine. So who are the options? Because you mentioned Spitanich earlier, obviously. But he has a sentimental situation with Banfield, mm. and I don't think he could he will leave now uh, in order for to play semi-finals, even when he's against Lanús, which is the of course the, the arch rivals of, of Banfield. And uh, Prato, Lucas Prato was another one, but it's at São Paulo, and I don't think that will will be cheap. Even with, when River has a lot of money. Or I think they have a lot of money because I don't know whether they they uh, have uh, uh, they went for the money that is at AFA uh, for Alarios. Well, they've got so the Andreucci money at least as well. Uh, though, so they, they, they've got by Argentine standards, they ought to have enough cash to splash if they want yes. to. Um, but yeah, it's sort of tricky to say, isn't it? It really? has to be uh, players that uh, hasn't already played. Of course, Copa Libertadores. Can, can, team, can which, they have played the Sudamericana this year? Yes. The so Prato, Prato okay. or well, Stanich hasn't played also uh, well Copa Sudamericana. Of course, yes, so, yeah. So it, it could be both, uh, or one of them, or both. But uh, the problem for in, in one case is, as I said, that Prat, uh, Stanich is very, very identified with Banfield, mm. and he will be uh, treated as a as a, a traitor, and uh, that he the, he betrayed Banfield and what well, all of that things that. Argentinian supporters used to say when a player goes leaves a team and goes for to sign another one. Yeah. And with Prato, it's, I think it's the money. Indeed. Uh, big ups, by the way, since we're on the, yeah. the theme of River Strikers to Lucas Alario, who scored on his Leverkusen debut. Yes. 22 minutes after coming off the bench or something on the yes. Saturday. Uh, or or possibly 22 minutes into the match. I just yes. saw that he took 22 minutes to score. So, uh, and He took... Bayer Leverkusen out of the relation zone because he was they were there, yeah. they were there. Funnily enough, Leverkusen's games now that he's in the team um, are being televised, yeah. and on, he was in, asked in South America because they're playing on Friday against I think it's Hamburg and they're going to yes. be on. He was asked asked why he his nickname is Pipa, mm-hmm. uh, and they thought it was another thing. <laughs> and well, no, he he said because it it was because he, his nose. I see. Yes. That's a relief. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, uh, tweets in to say it was an awful weekend for him. <clears throat> lost our local derby 4-2 and also lost tonight. I'm not sure which team he's talking about. Oh, is he a Sheffield Wednesday fan? Possibly. I'm not sure. Yes. 
I think that that's Wednesday. I really yeah. apologise if it's not, Liam. But yes, I, from the owl and the uh, combined with the cover image, I think it is. Um, so I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and lost 5-3 in the prediction battle. I had not actually remembered to count up the scores from last week's prediction battle. But uh, there we go. I'm glad to hear that I won. And uh, just remember, everybody, if you come at the king, then you best not miss. This week's uh, challenger, incidentally, is uh, Chris um, Hartley, whose predictions I'll be reading out along with my own in a few minutes' time. Um, we then have a bit of an exchange about a racist person on Fox News after uh, Luis Bessone tweeted me a, a video which I um, retweeted regarding the hammers that I mentioned earlier on from my, my downstairs neighbours. I was about to say my underneath neighbours. Did I mention I'm tired? Um, That's it. Those are all of the questions this week. Thank you very much for tweeting them all in. And we will now... Good grief, only a 21-minute long second part. This is fantastic. This is going to be really nice and easy to put together. Um, We will now go away, and when I come back, I will be with my Mystic hat on I will give you Mystic Chris's predictions and also Mystic Sam's predictions for the weekend to come and we'll maybe, because we've got a few minutes more than we normally have um, talk about what we like the look of for this coming weekend, don't go away Okay, this weekend's uh, matches and our predictions for them are as follows. Defensa y Justicia versus Huracan is first up on Friday night. Chris is going for an Huracan win. I'm going for a... No, I'm not going for a Defensa y Justicia win. I'm going for a draw. Um, I've already got these written down and I was just misreading my own prediction there. Uh, Union versus Olimpo is next up. Chris and I are both going for Union victories. In Atletico Tucumán against Belgrano, Chris is going for a draw. I'm going for an Atletico Tucumán win. In San Lorenzo against Colón, Chris is going for a draw, which, now that I look at it, is probably a better prediction than my prediction of a San Lorenzo victory. Um, Chris is going for Estudiantes to get an away win against Tempele, and so am I. Gimnasia versus Lanús, we are both agreed, is going to be a draw in La Plata. Argentinos Juniors against Racing in Villa General Mitre. Not La Patria now, because the stadium's just across the road. Um, it's going to be a Racing win. Tacheres against Patronato, we both agree, is going to be a Tacheres win. San Martín against Rosario Central, we're both going for exactly opposite results in this one. Chris is going for a San Martín victory. I think that Central will win it. Independiente versus Vélez Sarsfield. Chris is going for a draw, and I'm going for an Independiente win. Boca Juniors versus Chacarita. Chris is going for a Boca win, so am I. Tigre versus River. I'm going for a River win, and so is Chris. Banfield versus Arsenal. What did Andres say near the beginning? Always predict a Boca win, and always predict an Arsenal defeat, and that's what we're both doing. And Newell's Old Boys versus Godoy Cruz. Chris thinks it's going to be a Newell's win, and I think it's going to be a draw. Andres, looking at those fixtures... Yeah, most standout agree, ones for you? Mostly agree again, uh, uh, except for San Lorenzo uh, pre- prediction that you all, you already said it was wrong, perhaps. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm, except I'm for not that, particularly confident with that. Having said that, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Bellucci steps up again, or Blandi, and, and settles it one way or the other. 
Um, except for that, I think it's good predictions. And in terms of forgetting about the predictions, but which fixtures are you most looking? I think actually that San Lorenzo Colón is, is is going to be a pretty decent game, funnily enough. Yes. Um, and I also think once again one of the more interesting games of the week weekend in inverted commas um, is on Monday night. Newell's against Godoy Cruz. If both teams have got their sort of the right attitude on when when they get onto the pitch, could be a really good game. It could also yes. be absolutely unwatchable. Um, <laughs> because it's quite hard to say at the moment between those sides and Gimnasia against Lanús I think is an interesting one I'm assuming yeah. from the order in the list I'm actually looking at the kickoff times at the moment maybe I should look at the kickoff times because I'm guessing that that one's going to be on Saturday evening um, and it could oh bloody hell that's the wrong division um, and it could be a, a decent way of filling it oh okay 6 o'clock on Saturday well okay yeah. I'd, I'd be happy enough with that one uh, Independiente versus Vélez as we mentioned earlier is, is going to be a, a continued chance to see how Vélez can do although it's also going to be similarly interesting to see how well Independiente can do in terms of creating chances and finishing them for a change um, and yeah Boca Chacarita it's very anyway yeah, watch it's... it because you should watch Boca because they're the champions and they're playing really well but it might not turn out to be actually all that much of an interesting match unfortunately today today Daniel Ancelisi said that it will be very, very difficult, that is obvious, but he said that it will be very difficult to keep this uh, squad mm. for Copa Libertadores, which Boca will, will want to be right now, because they are playing very well, and they have a very good uh, st- uh, squad, with, well, Pablo and Benedetto are the ones that are scoring goals and, 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 and uh, commanding the attacks, but Pablo Perez is brilliant, with Gao being decent, Barrios the same, not suffering in defense, which was uh, something that had been uh, going through Boca in, yeah. in the past, and he said that it will be very difficult to, to keep this same squad, even with high high release clauses with mm. Pavon thirty million euros and and Benedetto twenty two. I I personally think if you ask me to predict now, I, I think Benedetto will is not going to be a Boca player by mid February. Yes. Um, Similarly to you know what we were saying in the first half of this year when we were saying, well, Rivers Libertadores' chances really hinge on whether they can keep Alario and Driussi, uh, or at least keep Alario or Driussi, and, and they've lost both of them, and that makes it much harder for them. Um, and all the same, they're in the semi-final anyway, but still, which shows you what we know. Um, but yeah, I, I suspect that um, various clubs in Europe are going to be coming in pretty hard for Benedetto in the January transfer window yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see what happens but that, that would that's be why suspicion. Boca has already bought Guanchope Avila and, and, and gave it on loan to Huracan thinking course, yeah. on, Bo- on Benedetto leaving I don't think it's the same anyway mm-hmm. I think Benedetto is much better than Guanchope but uh, at least he, being, being, uh, having Guanchope for sure yeah. that is something to They've got a ready rate replacement and he's a similarly... I mean, I would agree that Benedetto is is better on a technical level and on a, on a consistency level, certainly. Um, but I guess style-wise, they're, they're not dissimilar. Um, and, yeah, in terms of what Abila can do when he's in the mood, yes. which is not every every day, yes, but it, it's possibly more often than not. Yeah, I would agree. I think that that's... A, I hadn't really looked at the, that signing in that light before, but now that we've pieced it together... I would agree with you. Yes. Well done. Um, as I said, next week we will hope to record on Tuesday night. Actually, I hadn't said that already, but I'm saying it now. Um, 
in order to preview Argentina versus Peru, which is Thursday next week already. It seems like it should be at least two weeks away still, but there we go, it creeps up on you, doesn't it? Um, especially when you are like me and don't have an office job and don't really pay any attention to what day of the week it is or even what week of the month it is. Um, Argentina, Peru and Ecuador, Argentina. We will be previewing next week, um, hopefully on Tuesday evening. We will see who does better out of Mystic Sam and Mystic Chris. And we'll talk about all sorts of other stuff, possibly from a new Hand of Pod recording venue, uh, because many congratulations to English Dan. He's bought a house. Oh. And, and he might be inviting us around to it next week. He, he hinted to me in an email earlier. Um, so we shall see. For now, thank you very much for listening for another week. Stay listening after the theme music if you want to know what the full-time score of Boca Juniors versus Rosario Central in the Copa Argentina is. It's not yet kicked off, but I will be back once it does finish to let you know who wins or at least who goes through on penalties. It was called the classic of the Copa Argentina because yeah. it's the third, the third time in a row they play for this tournament. Yes, two. Um, sorry, it was the final two years ago and then it was, was it the semi or the quarter, quarter final or something quarter, last yes. year? Um, and now it's the round, it's round of 16 now, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're getting progressively earlier on in the, in the Copa. Um, but yeah, stay listening after the theme music to hear about the full-time score for that. Thank you for listening for another week. Please share us with your friends, retweet us when we uh, go live, um, share us on Facebook and all the rest of it. And for now, it's thank you and good night from Andres. Thank you, good night. And from me, thank you and good night. The Copa Argentina round of 16 is over. Well, this one match that's just taken place in Mendoza is over anyway uh, and Rosario Central have won 1-0 against Boca Juniors thanks to a goal from Mauricio Martinez